Well, this morning we are returning to our theme of belonging that we've been talking about the past few weeks. So we've both been making just some observations about belonging and talking about concrete ways that we hope you are able to experience belonging by being a part of this community. And this week, I am going to share some reflections on an idea that we've been circling around each week, but I want to focus more specifically um, in on this week, and that is the importance of connection. I'd love to invite you to continue to use Discord for any conversations, any ideas or stories that come to mind uh, while you're here today. It's been a wonderful resource and really fun to read back through stories and to have some concrete um, book ideas and things like that that people are thinking about as we're talking about this really big theme of belonging. And if belonging is the bigger question of identity, I think of Vince's question of to whom or to what do I belong, connections are all of these small and big ways that we see that identity being actively shaped. Deeper connections help solidify our sense of belonging. And it may seem kind of obvious to name human connection as important. Of course we need connection. Our desire for belonging is innate and our connections are a roadmap to true belonging. But this week I've been thinking more about whether or not connection really comes as naturally as we expect it to or depend on it for. There's this study on happiness, I don't know if people have seen this uh, recently, that came out of Harvard. I rediscovered it this week, it's been recircling because a new book just came out on it. Um, it's called The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. And the study now follows multiple generations over 80 plus years following people from their teenage years to old age. And it's, they set out to uncover what makes people really thrive, what makes people happy. Researchers looked at participants' health records and checked in with them face to face. They had them answer questionnaires that asked things like, is your life meaningful? Are you currently happy? Rate your current stress level. I don't know, for you, if thinking about those questions, if that feels like, oh yeah, I'd love to be a part of a study like that, or like, wow, that's a little, I don't know, that's a little intense to be thinking through. Is my life meaningful? Am I currently happy? What's my current stress level like? And when researchers looked at the happiest and healthiest participants in the study, they found a common thread and a pretty reliable indicator of happiness, the presence of strong relationships. It wasn't the case that those who were happiest had easy lives, that they didn't come up against any challenges, but it was the case that they did have strong relationships in place to help navigate those stressful times. So cultivating warm relationships is the key that we can gather here. And that makes sense, right? That when we deepen our relationships and our sense of belonging, we're just naturally more set up to experience meaningful lives. But I've been wondering, are we really naturally set up for this? Is the way that life and society and culture formed, does it lend its hand to experiencing connection or are there things that get in the way? And when I think about this, I think about how much we rely on structures. Institutions are part of, are often the main meeting ground for interacting with people and forming relationships. There kind of seems to be this set pathway to finding friendships. You've got your school settings across different stages of life, workplace connections, churches, things like that. And in some ways, we expect to organically find relationships within these structures. I'm curious for you all what structures or institutions you feel most tied to. 
Maybe it's long-standing friendships from a previous setting in life, like college or a previous church. Maybe it's here at Brownline. Where do your strongest connections come from? I don't know if anyone else has ever been in a season where you realize it's really hard to make friends as an adult. And I think it's because there are less and less organized structures in place to help facilitate connections. In the same way that we've talked about how creating your own belonging can be stabilizing when you experience a lot of change, I think we can get creative with finding new connections, even if it doesn't seem like there's just these natural structures in place for connecting opportunities. And I find it really interesting that when we look at Jesus as a model of connection, in the stories that we have, he rarely goes to the institutions to be with people. He shares meals at people's homes. He walks a lot. He goes beyond the temple to experience deeper connections. And he forms relationships that are not limited to existing structures. Often in a church context, the answer for structured need for connection is a small group. And in past seasons of my life, I have been what you may call a small group overachiever. (laughs) So many small groups. And it's really fun, actually, that I get to be the point person for small groups here at Brownline because I see so much potential for reimagining what small groups can look like. So I want to talk about that today as one of the options for connection here. And there are two uh, questions that I would love for us to consider today as we're thinking about connections and belonging in our own lives. And I think they're really actually uh, valuable questions to be asking when we think about the formation of small groups as well. The first question is, is a desire for connection driving my day? Is connection your driving force? Because if we go back to that study, if relationships are the key to experiencing happiness, connecting with others is clearly a necessity. In fact, that study even highlights the importance of just everyday connections, making small talk with the barista who makes your drink at the coffee shop you go to, saying hello to a neighbor when you're out on a walk. All of these seemingly small connections can actually increase your well-being. My grandma is the best at this. We always say that she makes a new friend wherever she goes. And when you're thinking about this question, is a desire for connection driving my day? Am I looking for every opportunity to connect with another human? Maybe the answer feels like an immediate yes. Maybe you are like Grandma Gwen and are hardwired for interacting with strangers and pursuing new friendships. It's also okay though if the answer is no. Wow, that sounds exhausting. I am not an extrovert and I certainly don't believe that we all have to become extroverts in order to experience belonging. I would not be up for that. And I also don't think that we can underestimate the impact of the pandemic in all of this too. I'm curious if anyone experienced a shift in their own capacity or even desire for connection because of the pandemic. And maybe that's a moment to think about it now or if you wanna put in Discord how that's impacted you. I'd love to have more conversation around this of how connection has felt, how belonging has felt in a season of a lot of really drastic change and difficulty and loss. 
I can remember those first few initial weeks back at the Davis after being exclusively online for a really long time, and it felt so strange. I tried to pretend like it didn't, but it was real strange. And I had this heightened anxiety over small talk and how to talk to people because I was so out of practice. I hadn't been social in so long. And maybe you weren't experiencing that initial connection back into reality, back with society here at Brownline, but maybe you can think back to those initial interactions you had in whatever social setting you were in. Even now, as workplaces and schools are back in person and interactions feel more normal, I think that there's still this lingering skepticism around interacting with strangers. I wonder if that feels true for you. That there's still some lingering risk and discomfort in gathering and interacting and connecting. Maybe we aren't as used to looking for every opportunity to connect because we've had some necessary distancing that we've had to adjust to. Having this connection mindset, looking for any and every opportunity to connect to another human, can be a really good check-in point for all of us though. Because if you are feeling untethered, like you don't belong, like you're disconnected from community, it may feel daunting at first to add in something entirely new as your source of connection. That might be a huge leap as a starting point. Instead, could you look at the elements of your life that are already in place and ask yourself, am I leaning into connection here? Am I making the most of this? Are you connecting at work, with your family, with whatever groups you're a part of? Or are you just going through the motions and surviving each day? We can ask this question, is connection the driving force when thinking about small groups too? Maybe this sounds cynical, I wanna preface this, and I don't mean to discount the beauty and depth of relationships that can come out of religious small groups. But I think sometimes what looks like a desire for connection in group settings can actually be a desire for conversion. I've been a participant in groups where it became evident that the whole point of the group as an extension of the church was to adopt a particular theology and follow Jesus in a certain way. Connection was kind of masking over the real goal there of conversion. And I don't think this is unique to church groups either. I've been thinking about that more this week. We can experience a conversion mentality in other settings too. Wanting people to subscribe to certain political groups or get on our side of a cause or an argument. In their best form, groups can let people be their full selves, welcoming different points of view and different beliefs. They can center connection and offer belonging that comes with a mutual commitment to one another. This is kind of that centered set mindset that we've talked about. In their worst form, groups can force members to adopt the mindset of the person or the institution in power, requiring uniformity that comes from a need to control. So connection comes from commitment. Conversion comes from control. Clearly the latter is not the vision behind small groups and other connecting opportunities here. I remember when my husband Andy and I first started coming to Brownline years ago, we were coming out of a different church environment and I was just starting my journey in seminary. And a few Sundays in, someone asked if I wanted to be a part of a small group, which I was really grateful for. And it was super daunting at the time because I had been leading Bible studies in different groups and other settings and I was pretty burnt out of that environment. 
But this wasn't leading anything. No one was asking me to be in charge. This was just showing up, and everyone seemed really great. So I said yes, and I jumped into that. And this group ended up being exactly what I needed, and not anything like a small group that, that I had been a part of before. We would go grab drinks or dinner. We did trivia nights at a bar a few times. And really, the center of the experience was just to be spending time together instead of trying to cover certain content or a curriculum. There wasn't pressure around what we would need to talk about, and it, wasn't, um, it didn't feel forced in any way. It was exactly what I needed for the season that we were able to meet. And as Vince and I have been talking about small groups, we really want to stress that we are intentionally taking a decentralized approach. This is our effort to combat any sense of converting or controlling that might come along with thinking about being a part of a group in a religious setting. Decentralizing power, decentralizing the people in leadership. And there are already groups in place that run completely separate from Vince and I. And the hope is that there would continue to be even more in the future. To peel back the curtain for a moment, to take just a little bit of time to do that, we're at a really interesting time with small groups right now because there aren't a lot of pre-existing options to just plug new people into. And if control were at the center of all of that, I would be doing a super crappy job. <laughs> But instead of it being nerve-wracking, it's actually really exciting to me that new things are forming up now out of the current interests and needs and hopes of people that are present in the community. There isn't one predetermined pathway to belonging here that you have to fit into. Instead, there are many avenues of belonging that are actively growing and changing as our community grows and changes. And so my empowering charge to you is that if you have any type of a vision for a small group here, whether you have been at Brownline for a week or you've been here for years, know that you have my full support and encouragement to make that vision come to life. If you are looking for a particular type of group, chances are there is someone else here that is looking for something similar. We've already got things like a podcast discussion group, a book club, and a couples group that are in the works. So if any of those sound interesting to you, feel free to reach out to me and let me know or put, drop um, your interest in Discord and I will circle back to that. Really, we want to be going off of the desires for connection that are present here instead of trying to control what's available. I hope that that feels more like an open approach. So that first question, is connection driving my day? Is connection the driving force? And then our second question is, is all of me experiencing connection? Is all of me experiencing connection? And let me unpack what I mean here. We all carry different roles and interests within ourselves and yet I think that there's kind of this inaccurate assumption that we can experience belonging fully from one relationship or one community, and that we'll kind of just naturally stumble into that. And this puts so much pressure on your partner, your spouse, your best friend, your primary community to be your sole source of fulfillment and support, which just isn't realistic because people are human and limited and need boundaries to be healthy. When I think about the different components of my identity, there are pieces of me that need connection from different groups of people or types of relationships. This is another way to think about the patchwork of community that we've talked about the past few weeks. 
Sometimes disconnection or loneliness can feel so all-encompassing that it's really hard to actually identify what your needs are, what type of support you're looking for, what type of belonging you're searching for. I think it can be helpful to identify which pieces of you are feeling connected and which parts of your identity are feeling neglected or alone. Maybe you've got great camaraderie at work, but you're feeling really disconnected from your family. Maybe you fulfill, feel fulfilled in a romantic relationship, but you haven't had time for any of your creative interests like music or art. Thinking about the pieces of you that are longing for connection, I think can help validate the sources of connection that are present in other areas and help you determine what needs a little bit more extra attention in your life. This actually brings to mind for me the first year or so of the pandemic because we had that drastic shift in life that made it really easy to identify the empty spaces and what I was missing. Things were going as normal and then suddenly we were stuck at home with very limited interactions and I could tell what was missing, it was really evident. In 2020, the role of mom got, identity, uh, got added to my identity. And since we are now expecting our second child um, this July, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about how wild it was to have my first pregnancy and my son Oliver's first year of life in the peak of the pandemic, much of which we were quarantined for in our little apartment and with little interactions with other people. During that season, I could identify when I was feeling disconnected from friends that I was used to seeing all the time and how to be creative about that. Do you remember when we had like happy hour Zoom things? That was crazy. Game nights on Zoom, all of that. I could identify when I was missing family and when I needed to set up a FaceTime or Zoom with them. I definitely did not feel disconnected in my marriage because Andy was around a lot. <laughs> a lot of time with him, I'm not complaining. <laughs> But suddenly I had this new role, this new piece of my identity as a mother that I needed support and connection with. Initially, it was hard to find that when everything was already so isolated. And yet it was really helpful to say, I'm not completely alone. That kept me out of a despairing place. I'm not completely alone. I do have sources of belonging. I just need to find some connections that help me feel supported in this new transition of life, in this new piece of my identity, and I did. And so when you ask this question, is all of me experiencing connection, it can be a helpful way to think about if you want to join a small group. Because perhaps counterintuitively, it relieves the pressure of a small group to be the be-all, end-all, and all source of belonging in your life. Sometimes we unintentionally set this expectation for instant, deep relationships and vulnerability that just might not be realistic. But maybe instead of putting all your eggs in one basket, you can prioritize finding specific types of connections that you're missing elsewhere. Maybe part of you really is longing to have a group to meet with, to wrestle through the really big questions. And maybe part of you just wants to go to trivia nights. <laughs> maybe when you look at other sources of connection in your life, there isn't a need for something like a small group, or you wanna try something like communal matches or mentoring individually instead. There's space to widen the scope of what a group may look like or what the common reason for gathering may be. And really, what a beautiful vision of community. That the church could be the place where the parts of you that feel alone or neglected everywhere else experience a sense of belonging. I think that's really beautiful. 
all of the neglected and lonely pieces of you experience a sense of belonging by gathering with people regularly. It reminds me of what Brené Brown refers to as collective effervescence, this joy that comes with being a part of something larger than yourself. So as you consider this, could a small group help me experience connection that I'm missing? Are there parts of me that are longing for a particular community or type of belonging? Please reach out to me and I would love to talk more. The openness of small groups here means that we can be super creative in what we form and that's really exciting to me. We've had things like more traditional prayer groups and Bible discussion groups, but we've also had a cooking group and a film discussion group. So we want to be offering as many pathways to belonging and connection as we can. As we close today, I want to offer a bigger picture reminder because we've been talking a lot about our individual personal needs for connection, and that's really important. And belonging is bigger than that. So if you focus in and listen to one thing today, let it be this. <laughs> Jesus offers belonging freely to everyone, but does make it clear that it's harder for those with power to experience the new identity that he offers. It's real clear in statements in the gospel, statements like you cannot serve both God and money, or it's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This isn't subtle. He makes a clear alignment with the oppressed, the marginalized, those in need of healing, connection, and restoration. He says, here is living water. Here is community. Here is humanizing connection. How much harder it will be for those who refuse to part with their power to experience the freedom that comes with belonging to something redemptive that is bigger than yourself. And when I think of the, wildly, the widely circulating news stories this past week, past week or so, stories of loss of life, of police brutality, mass shootings, even a mother with postpartum psychosis facing a murder charge instead of receiving adequate support. I can't help but think about how dangerous disconnection is or how dangerous belonging to systems of violence instead of beloved communities is. I see the natural flow of copying what has become accepted, what is the norm, to fall in line with the default to white supremacy and violence, to be dangerously disconnected from upholding the full humanity of others. I see a pattern of breaks from reality for whatever reason that led to a disregard for any hope of future flourishing for the victims. We have to increase our imagination for what could be different, what could be more. There is a place for despairing, but despair and bitterness cannot be the landing place. We have to model fully respecting the sacred nature of each life instead of treating people like replaceable cogs in the machine. Belonging to beloved community is what disrupts the machine. So this goes beyond the individual journeys of experiencing health and happiness through connections and strong relationships that we've been talking about. All of that is so important. Your individual journey is so important. And I truly hope that you find deep connections being a part of this community. And we also have to keep in mind that belonging is a justice issue. 
Humanizing acts of belonging, these moments of human connection can be conscious acts of refusing to fall in line with the laid out tracks of white supremacy and violence. And in the moment, those small actions may seem just that, they may seem small, but they make a huge difference. Experiencing belonging can be a matter of life or death. Would you pray with me? Just take a moment here to breathe and be still. God, as we look at our lives, as we consider these questions this morning, is a desire for deeper connection driving my day? Is all of me experiencing belonging? I want to recognize feelings of longing that may exist here. Longing for elements of our own lives to be different Longing to feel seen and known. Longing for the world to be different. Longing for beloved community. As we ask this question of to whom or to what do I belong, may you guide us toward answers that are life-giving, restorative, and hopeful. Can we both lower the stakes around our individual connections? making room for our inevitable awkwardness and the figuring out of things on the way to our belonging? And can we heighten the stakes of a need for a collective belonging that dismantles power and disrupts violence and abuse? God, as Teal named for us earlier, you are love. And in the mess of it all, with the love and humanizing connection you offer, be a guide and an anchoring source of hope. Would you continue to call us back to ourselves, back to one another, back to the sacred awareness of how vital it is to be interconnected? Amen. Thank you so much. Please feel free to reach out to me if you have any interest in small groups or want to talk more about different options there. 